Today, we're seeing the prices rally to where they're going above where our anticipated or spring price was. So that's changing some of the dynamics, but it's really about working down the numbers. Welcome to In the Driver's Seat, a podcast on managing financial risk in your grain operation, brought to you by ABM. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of In the Driver's Seat. Today, we are back. Shelby is back. It is harvest time. It is. Didn't it seem like just yesterday we were in the last harvest almost? The weather changed and we got to fall and now harvest really, really fast. So, yeah, it's been a little different. It did sneak up on me a little bit this year. We are welcoming two of our crop risk specialists, which we're super excited about. Dave Rosenmeyer, he is on here again. And then also Brian Wiggins is here with us today. And we're going to talk a little bit about harvest planning and what can we do today? And then moving forward, what can we do to help execute on our plan? So Dave, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? I know you're a repeat guest, but where are you from? And a little bit of background on yourself. Well, Doug, it's interesting. I'm in Iowa, but I'm lucky enough not to be in the heart of the wind area. That's more south of us. I'm in that north central part of Iowa where the crop conditions actually look okay. We're going to be harvesting soon. I kind of cover Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, and work with a team of crop risk specialists and then also work with some of our great merchandise advisors on our risk products. So Brian Wiggins, can you uh, tell the listeners who you are and where you're at and a little bit about you? Thanks for having me. I live in central Indiana with my family. I'm the crop risk specialist primarily for the eastern region. And what does that cover? So most of the central and southern half of Illinois, straight south along the Mississippi River, and then through the entire east. So working with all of our origination teams in in those areas, helping to support better decisions for the farmers selling grain, and then also helping with our crop risk services uh, relationship that we have and the agents and really understanding how to utilize uh, crop insurance uh, for those decisions and selling grain. I appreciate the perspectives you guys bring to every year and just the overall situation of profitability. Uh, Dave, can you talk a little bit about, well, let me set it up this way. Every year, I can think about almost any production year back to, I mean, I can think of 97 and 98. I can think about a 2000 year and there's a story in every year. So I'm guessing there's kind of a story in your head about 2020. Um, So where's your head at right now in terms of where markets are and what you think of the harvest that we have coming? Well, I think it's really Iowa is kind of the defining moment for this harvest coming up. We started with uh, West Central Iowa being dry for a good portion of the summer. And then we had a wind event that moved through from the center to the eastern part of the state. And it's really kind of kicked in to be like, what is Iowa going to be? And I think that's what's going to drive our markets. North Dakota had a lot of planting delays and some frost issues that are going to certainly play into, into this as well. But I think you have to ask yourself, what is that? production that's going to come out of Iowa. Other spots in Minnesota look very well. Um, Bean yields are going to be good. Corn yields are going to be good. Wisconsin, uh, there's some great areas. South Dakota, there's some good areas. So I think when we come back to it, it's some of these other states are going to have to kind of make up for Iowa. Yeah, I talked a little bit about what I'm seeing in my area. Brian, what are we seeing out of the east? Sure, Dave. It's a mixed bag. And from my seat in central Indiana, I see some crops that we had maybe stresses in, in planning time about maybe some wet weather. We had a stretch of optimal planning weather. 
Last year, we had a lot of prevent plant. There was concerns around some of those things. At the end of the day, most of the crop got planted throughout this whole region and spent a lot of the year looking like a really solid crop. And I think that's some of the story to be told is that's the way the market was perceiving this. But we've had a stretch of dry weather that probably impacted yield. We don't know to what extent. And I think the market's probably reflecting that struggle over supply. But you bring up uh, the supply side of the equation. We've also seen some changes in demand. That's the story that you're talking about, Doug, is maybe we start out the year where we have a lot of these things that that are impacted, whether it's the pandemic things that we're dealing with, the demand that's built around that, ethanol. But we see China recently bought some corn. And those are just a changing environment that add risk premium to this market. Weeks ago, it felt like there was no hope in this market. We were talking about price levels like we hadn't seen in a long time. And amazingly, we end up with a giant rally. Lots of corn and soybeans have moved. And now people are honestly wondering, did I sell way too much, way too early? What should I do now? So what would you suggest to someone who is beating themselves up about selling too much too early? So I get this question a lot, Doug, and it's this fear of missing out. And all too often, this actually paralyzes decision-making. If I'm worried about the decision I make turning out what they perceive as wrong, does it actually lead to inaction? And looking back on a decision I made with the best information available is not a bad decision. It just happens to be that what I expected to happen did not transpire. So I think it's really important to understand that all the time, if I'm staying in business, I have another crop that will grow. I have more bushels to sell. And understanding that path to maximize price all the time, instead of rethinking every decision that I make probably leads to more comfort in my marketing and probably better decisions. Dave, this was maybe for you. How would you help somebody process how to make decisions on on the bushels that maybe need to go to market right now as harvest is in progress? I mean, how do you navigate that? Well, I think it hopefully it started at the beginning of the year where you had a plan on what you wanted to do. Now you've kind of got to reset and reassess. You've been through um, a spring planning, a summer growth season, and now you're entering into a harvest uh, time frame. So I think that's the best way you can come at this is ask, what was my plan to start? What do I need to do to adjust it? And what are things going to look like going forward? And I think when Brian was talking about having higher prices, I really think of that as probably the best thing that can happen in the fall, especially if you've sold before and now the market's even higher, that usually means good things are going to happen on the price side if we're starting to see some higher prices build going into the fall. The best advice I could have is just kind of relook at your numbers, understand what that revenue mix is going to look like, and then maybe even look a little further out what some other prices are and kind of start planning on, do I store as much grain as I can and then maybe price out some stuff for later delivery? Or do I take some, you know, take some additional grain to the elevator in the fall because the prices are a little higher than I expected them to be. So I think it's just about reassessing. Shelby, you had a comment on that. Yeah. Selling at harvest prices is not always a failure. It, it can be okay. And I just want to highlight that because I think sometimes there's this stigma around, well, I absolutely can't sell across the scale because if you don't want to sell at harvest prices, what else can we do today? Well, I think the main one that you see a lot of is putting that grain on some type of delayed pricing or a storage contract. So that way it gives you time for the futures to increase and for the basis to improve. A new advent is, is really looking at maybe a minimum price contract where we kind of take some security in the fact that if I 
do something I can lock in a futures price and have some opportunity if it increases later on. That gives you some good playroom out there. And then also, you know, if you really believe these markets are going to keep going higher, deliver it and lock in a basis and, you know, accept that harvest basis, but wait for that futures to increase. So there's a lot of different things that I think our, our customers can do and a lot of different ways to kind of navigate this harvest timeframe versus just making one decision. Maybe you've put a little bit in each bucket and kind of transfer some risk that way. Fair to say that there's no silver bullet, but you got to kind of have an end game in mind. So you mentioned DP, storage, I mean, basis contracts, everybody seems to be looking for a way to do anything except price it. But until you start thinking about what your final objective is, I don't know how you decide which one of those makes the most sense. So either of you have a comment on that. I, I think it goes back to whenever you enter into anything, what is your exit strategy? If you enter a DP contract, how much am I going to spend on storage before I decide I'm done? If you enter a basis contract and the futures drop a certain amount, when am I going to exit? Or if it goes up by X amount, when am I going to exit? And I think that's the, really the key, Doug, that you brought up is understanding what do I want to accomplish when I enter something and write that down on a piece of paper, something to go back to and check yourself when the market starts to move higher or even moves lower. What did I say I was going to do and use that as your guide? Absolutely. So that objective and the exit strategy becomes extremely important. You know, as Dave was kind of walking through and thinking about what we do when we're ahead of time before harvest, everything's about an expectation and about budget. So that's how I build my plan. I budget my yields. What do I anticipate? I budget the price. What do I need? What does it do for my revenue? Then we get to fall and we get so excited, so excited about jumping in and harvesting the bushels that so many times I see the mistake of people showing up at the elevator and I just don't want to price. So I tend to go back to a tool that I use, and it may be any of those tools that Dave mentioned, without an objective of how this could turn out and then what the strategy is. All of these tools are fantastic. They're meant to accomplish different jobs. And I think that's why it's important to really engage your buyer, you know, your origination person, and say, hey, here's the objective, and maybe just use them as, as someone to sound information off of and walk through the objectives and outcomes to make an intentional decision. So so that you don't look back and say, I made a rash one. B because that educated approach with the strategy uh, is probably going to turn out better. And you're probably going to be feel more comfortable about the decision you made. My next question was going to be, what's the biggest mistake you've seen people do and how to avoid it? Any other mistakes come to mind um, that you guys see in here that we can maybe bring to light and help people avoid? You know, Shelby, you brought up spot sales. I think really, once I have this better idea on yield... That type of information as part of that plan becomes more clear about the revenue expectation, right? Because the price that I need or the objective I need at, let's say, 220 bushel corn is a lot different from 150 bushel corn. So all of a sudden, spot pricing or selling across the scale is not a failure because the price is higher. It meets my revenue expectations. So making myself maybe less priced or unpriced or staying in an environment where I want to invest more money and time when I've reached my objectives. I see that many times where people look back and say, you know what, I might as well have just sold it at fall. And I don't like the look back attitude, but if I pay attention to what it does to my bottom line, 
I probably just make better educated decisions on what it does for my cash flows. I was thinking about the numbers that Brian talked about. I mean, you have to go back at the beginning of the year. We talked about our plans, right? And you know, two hundred bushel of corn times three dollars and fifty cents equals seven hundred dollars of revenue. Now the market's maybe gone up, and now maybe we're having you know something like three eighty five corn. And what is my yield? If my yields are coming in a little lower, you still could hit that revenue, but we have to think about that. It feels like when talking to customers and, and farmers is when we get to a point we want four dollar corn. Sometimes selling three ninety five works okay, and I think that's the main thing is just be flexible about those pricing points you want to have, and maybe expand the range a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Just doing some math. If you ask a lot of people, you know, what's your target price on corn? Well, it's four bucks, and your target price on beans? Well, ten bucks regardless of yield, but as yield changes, environments change. I mean, I think just be purposeful about the decisions you make and lean on people who can help you make purposeful, deliberate decisions. ADM FarmView has helped a lot of producers get a handle on their grain marketing, but now there's a newer, more powerful tool. It will take grain marketing to the next level. It's called GrainBridge, and ADM is making it available to you right now. When it's time to market grain, GrainBridge helps eliminate the stress and emotion you feel. It integrates valuable real-time data from multiple sources, so when you're ready to sell, you can be confident you're making the right call. It lets you navigate markets and manage contracts with multiple buyers, but on just one website with one username and one password. You have fully transparent information on cash bids, contracts, and deliveries, so you can make even better marketing decisions. And it tracks your input costs, acreage, yield, break-even, and much more. In short, GrainBridge allows you to do business when and where you want, with whoever you want. ADM realizes you have choices. We intend to earn your business each day. You can find out more at admadvantage.com or talk to your ADM rep. But do it now and start putting the power of GrainBridge to work for you today. So I'm going to shift gears for a second. And um, we say it all the time, right? Crop insurance, grain marketing go hand in hand. They can't be separated. They're totally together. How do you explain to someone why they are married so closely and how to actually apply that knowledge? When you have an event happen, that's where it's really noticeable. Today, we're seeing the prices rally to where they're going above where our anticipated or our spring price was. So that's changing some of the dynamics, but it's really about working down the numbers and sitting down and showing them what your harvest yield looks like and then what we're projecting for the fall price to look like and kind of start marrying those numbers together so we can see if there's going to be indemnity payment. And you think about people today that either had the dryness or the wind issues really start to say, okay, here's what I think my indemnity is going to look like. And this is how many dollars I believe I have coming in from the indemnity side. Now, here's what I've actually harvested for bushels. And here's what I think the prices are. So when I put those together, that's going to be my new revenue. And, you know, help you make a decision to either sell or maybe even decide to hold a little bit waiting for something different in the market. Crop insurance, it doesn't hurt you, right? It can only help. And it helps us make these risk management decisions. And I think Brian, you explained it really well to me the other day. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? When I think about the two, I I have guaranteed bushels. And that's typically the way it's explained is I have bushels that I am protected on at a certain price. And 
to Dave's point, I get into fall and I start to know the yield component and I start to know the price component and that's a revenue picture. But what it can start to do for me also is when I start to look out in the future and I potentially look at next year. So we've spent all this time talking about fall. There's so many things going through our minds in, in rising price environments. Do I sell more? Do I not sell more? What objectives am I hitting? I can start to understand my crop insurance potentially next year. How many bushels am I going to be guaranteed next year? Does this price make sense? So as I think about my overall revenue and I sell a price, if the market moves lower or the yield moves lower, it gives me that that peace of mind that, hey, I am protected at these prices at this bushel guarantee. If you don't understand how to do the math on what you expect for an indemnity payment, and that's really all you need to do. Dave, do you agree with that? If you need to understand crop insurance, just know how to do the quick math on what you think you might get for an indemnity payment. And once you know that, you can make the rest of your plan on, on how and when you want to sell your crane. Is is there a better way to approach it than that? Doug, I think that's the easiest way to approach it is just work the numbers and that'll help give you the guidelines of where you want to go. That's the one thing to me when things get really confusing, I get to get back down to basics. Can you talk a little bit about hail insurance as well and the importance of that and shed any light on why people should or, or shouldn't consider having that type of coverage? Sure. There's several different types of policies, and it's important probably to consult your agent on what type of policy or what level of coverage work for you. Now, named peril, which is what you're talking about this, in the case of hail, there's several different add-ons. Obviously, it covers for hail. It covers for damage from hail. It's done by an assessment. The adjuster uses a set process to determine how much potential impact of hail damage there is. So, Cropper Services, for example, has some benefits that come along with their policy called AgriStore, in which uh, along with carrying a minimum amount of hail insurance, you're covered on some of the transit uh, of that crop, the cost to clean it up. If for some reason that uh, that cargo was damaged uh, in route by an accident, God forbid, or anything to that extent. So there's a lot of things that come along with that hail insurance, but the hail insurance as a whole covers that growing crop from a named peril that would take away the opportunity that you would have had on the crop otherwise. So in theory, a hail storm would damage the opportunity on that crop. You may still not collect on that crop because you may out yield your guaranteed yield at, by the time harvest comes, but the hail insurance will pay for some of that opportunity that you missed on that crop. What I heard loud and clear is your hail insurance is separate from your revenue protection insurance. It is an additional part of the policy. It is a private product that is offered on top or separately from your revenue protection or other type of crop insurance that you carry. So it's a separate policy. Again, that's why it's important to talk with your agent and specifically about a crop risk services agent to understand some of the benefits. I brought up AgriStore that covers uh, potential damage in the bin if there was uh, to happen there. Not quality damage from mismanagement, but things that were to happen from that stored grain. That hail coverage transfers to that stored grain in the bin. So just good things to know, but again, further discuss that with your crop insurance agent. Understanding the basics of your policy and how it impacts your revenue, but also how you put together your overall risk management plan and how you decide when to sell grain. And, and I want to shift back to that for a second and ask you, Dave, 
So you're a producer this fall. You've uh, produced more than you can store. You're being forced to take some to an elevator, maybe by surprise. You're really not sure that you want to sell it. You're really not sure what you want to do with it. What are a couple choices that we offer they might want to consider? Well, I think you start with the first one that gives you the most opportunity for price improvement, and that's a storage contract or a delayed pricing contract. You'll pay a set amount per bushel to get the opportunity to do that, which really means that you get the opportunity for those future markets to go up and for the basis to improve. I think that gives a lot of opportunity, but yet that has a lot of risk too, because there's no guarantee that the futures will go up and there's no guarantee that the basis will improve. So I got no floor under that and I really hate paying you storage fees. So what else can I do? Well, if you're worried about paying storage fees, uh, you can always go out and sell that grain today, take that spot cash price and put it in the bank and then use that money for something else. If you want to stay in the market, we'll get a minimum price contract. It allows you to stay in there and have market participation in the futures market as you know over a set period of time. And then the good thing is you can decide how long you want to be in. If you want to be in for two months or three months, or if the market you know, moves really fast, really quick. You can go ahead and reprice that and grab those ups that come along and put that to the bottom line. Yeah, but Dave, every time I use options, they expire worthless. And uh, so minimum prices, I don't know. I just don't do a good job watching that. Is there anything else that they can do that gives me some opportunity for upside, but I don't have to watch it every day and decide when to get back out? I think the main thing is, is if you have that plan of what you want to accomplish when you get in and what you want to accomplish when you get out, like we talked earlier, I think that'll help you make better decisions on managing that type of contract. So another contract we had that works really well is a price point up, where you go ahead and select a level. And if that market averages higher than the level during the period, it'll automatically give you that difference to add back to your contract. So you really, your hands off, the markets will do what it does every day. And the good thing is you just wait. And if there's value there, your ADM representative will send that money back to you. So I didn't prep you for that. You're very good. But the thing is, is that whether you want to sell cash or whether you don't, whether you want to be hands-on, whether you don't, whether you want to pay, you know, some fees and you're really not worried about having a floor in place. I mean, just know that you have a lot of choices on what you can do if you're forced to market some grain in a time that you don't want, or if you're just trying to plan, you know, what you want to do with some deferred sales. I think you're setting a really nice stage for what else is available? What else you can put in your plan and execute on? How often, when we're looking at our grain marketing plan, and I realize this is going to change for every operation, but how often should we be looking at this plan, reassessing it? It's going to change dependent on the comfort level of the farmer for the marketing environment, you know, what their expectation is you know, what those cash objectives are. If the margins are really tight, I probably need to look at it more often. If I have some more wiggle room, I still need to revisit it, but maybe not quite as often. I tend to tell people, if I can look back and look at my yield expectations and the price every week at least throughout the growing season and just say, what am I expecting? Where's the price? And where do I think it's headed? Not where does everyone else say, or what does social media say, or what does the radio say, but what is telling me a story that paints a picture of where we're headed, then I'm not obsessed, but I'm probably going to assess the situation more objectively. If I just take time doing that, as much time as I'd spend picking out seed, or as much time as I would spend working through my agronomics and, and my chemistry, 
If I spent that much time focusing on my planning and revisiting what's working and what's not, I would probably be more effective in the decisions I make. Can you just explain briefly how that October average price will factor into people being able to determine whether they will or won't have an indemnity payment from their RP insurance? In the spring, we have approved yield times February average of December futures on corn, November futures on beans. Now we have the harvest yield that the producer will be as the actual yield they're harvesting this year. And then they're going to look at the October average of December corn and and then November for the beans. And that'll be that fourth component that helps us figure out what is the difference between the two. So we'll generate our revenue from our projected. And then now we're going to have our actual. So that way they can look at that and say, yes, I have an indemnity payment. So if October is higher, it replaces the spring price. Is that correct? One unique feature of the RMA revenue product is the fact that if you have a higher price in fall, it will be used to generate a new revenue for the producer. Just in case something happens, the markets do go up. It gives that opportunity to have two different price points. You have both the February and the October, and they get the better of. So Dave, we could be in that scenario this fall where we're going to replace the spring price that we were using to calculate the revenue guarantees, if the October average on corn or beans or both are higher, it's going to replace the spring price in those calculations. So if we think we might have the potential for uh, an indemnity claim, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. And like today on soybeans, it's actually in play. We started off with a 917 guarantee at the beginning of our crop insurance period. And you know currently we're above that quite a few cents. So uh, corn, it's starting to approach it, and it's going to be something we really have to look at. So Dave just talked about a lot of different contracting options that we have. People sometimes have to make marketing decisions based on cash flow needs, and sometimes markets don't really align with when you need to generate cash. So if you're in that scenario this fall, you really do want to generate some cash, but for whatever reason, would prefer not to just sell your grain and be out of the market. Brian, What? how would you suggest somebody uh, attack that? I look back across my history in being a grain buyer and interacting with farmers on a day-to-day basis. I recall a lot of times where pricing decisions were made at the time. So the original decision was made with good intentions, whether it's like Dave brought up, uh, delayed pricing or basis contracts. And we end up in a place where the farmer makes decisions to say, hey, I need to generate some cash. I need to pay a bill. Sell me the grain. So the, the marketing plan didn't necessarily line up uh, with the timing effect of cash. So you bring up different alternatives. Many of our alternatives allow for either obtaining an advance, let's say on a basis contract, different levels of of an advance based upon the current market on that basis contract once the grain is delivered, possibly a minimum price style or a price point up style contract. You have a minimum known value that you can receive uh, potentially up to 100% advance on that. It allows you to manage that cash flow and take advantage of the market the way it sits today and also still participate. And I think it's just a really good point to understand where those cash flow needs and your market objectives kind of work hand in hand. And that's something important to discuss with your ADM grain buyer. So there's really a lot of choices, but two things I heard you say. One, the grain has to be delivered. And two, the basis has to be set. Once those two things are done, 
you've got options, you've got choices, uh, you've got things you can do, whether you want it automatic, whether you want to be hands-on, there's different ways you can go. Well, one of the big things to do is look at what the market is willing to pay you today if you delivered it in the future. And opportunities, there might be to pick up 25 cents if you lock it in today versus delivering it sometime in the future, say in June. So you can put your skills to work. You're going to you know, watch that grain, make sure it stays in condition, and the um, industry is going to reward you for doing that. So if the bid for June-July delivery is 25 cents higher than the January delivery price and you decide to wait, will it still be 25 cents higher when you get there? Or, I mean, how does that work? Well, I think that's why we want to look at it today. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We could even be higher than 25 cents, or it could be lower than it is today. So that's why if you want to transfer some risk by bringing a known into your marketing plan, then at least you'll know exactly where you're at. And your biggest risk is keeping that grain in store quality for when you deliver it. Brian, any last tips that you would want to offer up to anybody listening um, who's in the heart of harvest? Sure, Doug. Making decisions with purpose and using the tool that accomplishes what you want to do. We've spoken before about this concept that many times we'll deliver grain and we will see the price later on. So if the price is higher later, let's say for corn, and it's 30 cents higher, and we say we want that number, we'll deliver grain and we'll make decisions that say, I want that number, that carry, that higher value. But the tool we choose is not meant to accomplish that. So it's just taking the right tool to the job site. There's three things that kind of come to mind to me. If you want to make it really easy, when do I want to deliver grain? When do I need cash? And what do I think the market's going to do? So that's what I would offer for follow-up tips. Thank you for that. Thank you, Brian and Dave, for contributing. I know you guys have been both close to ag, and Dave, you're still involved in farming, and Brian, your family's involved in farming. So I know you live this a lot. So uh, some nice insights from you guys. Thank you guys for joining us very much. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you all. On our website, admadvantage.com, we'll have everything nicely lined out for you. So we talked about a couple different contract opportunities, everything contract related to crop insurance. And we talked about crop risk services, so CRS that we're in partnership with. We'll have all of that and more on the website. So go check it out. Happy harvesting, everybody. Send in your questions to admadvantage.com slash podcast enjoy this time of year. I know this is a time that that most of you do enjoy. Please be safe. And we look forward to uh, talking with you again on another podcast. This has been In the Driver's Seat, brought to you by ABM. To learn more about managing financial risk in your grain operation, talk to your local ABM representative or go to admadvantage.com.